Inflation remains high and bank stocks begin to recover, but the fallout from Silicon Valley Bank's collapse continues. And now the SEC and DOJ have launched investigations into the bank's executives. I'm Daily Wire Editor-in-Chief John Bickley with Georgia Howe. It's Wednesday, March 15th, and this is Morning Wire. Walgreens is facing a boycott by the state of California over their new policy on abortion medication. The pharmacy says they're just following the law. What Walgreens is basically telling us is that they don't want to get involved, and I think they want to see where this plays out. And while the rest of the country has largely moved on, college campuses are still sticking with strict COVID precautions. Now, a coalition of students, parents, and doctors is pushing back. Thanks for waking up with Morning Wire. Stay tuned. We have the news you need to know. Hey, guys, producer Brandon here. Do you struggle to get through the day without relying on caffeine and sugar? Consider adding Balance of Nature to your daily routine. Balance of Nature fruit and veggie capsules are a convenient way to consume essential nutritional ingredients on the daily. Their products are 100% natural, GMO-free, and free of additives and preservatives. Balance of Nature is the perfect choice for anyone looking to improve their diet and feel their best. Go to balanceofnature.com and use promo code WIRE for 35% off your first order as a preferred customer. That's balanceofnature.com, promo code WIRE. The DOJ and SEC have launched investigations into Silicon Valley Bank, seeking answers on who's to blame for the second largest bank collapse in American history. Here with more is Daily Wire senior editor Cabot Phillips. Cabot, we'll get to the latest inflation report, but first, tell us about these new investigations. Yeah, investigations like this are fairly common coming from the SEC, which regulates financial markets, but the involvement of the DOJ gives you an idea of just how serious this is being viewed in Washington. Yeah. In the weeks leading up to the collapse, executives within the bank reportedly made some very concerning trades. For example, two and a half weeks ago, right before the bank's collapse, the company's chief executive, Greg Becker, sold $2.3 million worth of shares, while the company's financial chief, Daniel Beck, sold half a million dollars worth of shares on the same day. That was about a third of all the shares he had in the entire company. So not a good look there. No. And it looks even worse when you take into account that for the last few months, those same executives have been assuring the public their bank was in a great spot. Becker, for example, said at a conference just last week that it was a, quote, great time to start a company and that his bank had exciting opportunities in every single category. And then Beck, the company's finance chief, said last month that the bank had minimal risk because their clients come from so many different backgrounds. Hmm. Now, because of insider trading regulations, if executives want to sell their shares in their company, they have to schedule them 30 days in advance. But get this, last year, the SEC passed a new measure that upped that timeline to 90 days, And the day that regulation took effect, February 27th, is the exact same day that both of their sales were finalized. Mm. Now, that could all be coincidence, but there are plenty of people who say it's a sign that these executives knew they were in a precarious spot and tried to save themselves a bit with inside information. And one final note, the bank is also facing scrutiny after reports that for eight months last year, they did not have an official risk management executive. So... Hopefully, all of that will be addressed in these investigations. Yeah, a lot of people will be watching the investigation, hoping for some answers. There was also big news yesterday on inflation. What did we learn on that front? So on Tuesday, the Labor Department announced that inflation last month was still up at 6%. That is slightly down from 6.4% in the month before, but it's well above the target goal of 2%. 
Now the big question for many is how the Fed is going to respond to that news. Typically, with inflation at 6%, they would raise interest rates to try and cool the economy. But given the uncertainty and volatility in the market because of this banking crisis, raising rates could be the worst thing to do. For more on that tug of war, I talked to Joe Lavornia. He's the former chief economist at the National Economic Council and is currently the head economist at SNBC NICO. In light of recent systemic risks in the commercial banking sector, uh, the prudent approach would be for the Fed to not hike next week. Lavornia said there's a good chance the Fed holds rates steady this month, but that they'll likely resume raising them in May when they meet again. He also touched on how the Fed's past rate hikes have sort of forced the hand of investors and contributed to the crisis as well. One of the reasons for these runs is the fact banks have been losing deposits for the past year. Uh, We've had the biggest deposit outflow in the commercial banking system ever, at least using FDIC data back to 1984. So you have to ask, well, why? Why is that happening? Well, that's because the Fed's been raising rates and people have been taking money out of the bank and they've been bringing it to other places where they can earn a higher return for virtually no risk. For example, a lot of government-based money market funds. And of course, the quantitative tightening is shrinking reserves. Well, a lot of financial information to consider here. Kevin, thanks for joining. Anytime. That's Daily Wire senior editor, Cabot Phillips. Coming up, Walgreens faces backlash over their stance on abortion medications. You deserve the perfect balance of quality and convenience to kickstart your morning. Stock up on cans of Black Rifle's ready-to-drink coffee at blackriflecoffee.com or grab an ice-cold can from a convenience store near you. For a more explosive energy boost, try Ready to Drink 300, available in caramel vanilla, rich mocha, salted caramel, or vanilla bomb flavors. Go to blackriflecoffee.com and use promo code WIRE for 10% off your purchase. That's blackriflecoffee.com, promo code WIRE. Black Rifle Coffee, America's coffee. Walgreens, the nation's second largest pharmacy, announced this month that it does not plan to dispense an abortion pill in some 20 states, sparking outrage from abortion activists and Democrats. Here to discuss is Daily Wire reporter Amanda Prestigiacomo. So, Amanda, first off, which medication is so controversial here? So the drug is mifepristone, which is the first drug taken in a medical abortion. Prior to COVID, women had to physically obtain it from a specially licensed provider or clinic because there were certain severe side effects that required some medical oversight. For example, hemorrhage, bleeding, among other things. Side note here, these abortion medications are widely used in the U.S. and make up more than half of all abortions, an estimated 54%. To back up a little here, during the lockdowns, the Biden administration's FDA moved to allow women to obtain the medication by mail. This was seen as a win for abortion advocates who generally favor the least restrictions possible. Then in January, the Biden administration moved to relax the requirements for mifepristone, saying that pharmacies could apply to become certified to dispense it, something abortion advocates also saw as a win. At that point, Walgreens announced they would be pursuing that certification. But logistically, it's complicated for nationwide pharmacy chains because the laws around abortion vary by state. After the Dobbs ruling in June, several red states moved to impose limits on abortion, in some cases outlawing medical abortion altogether. Okay, so Walgreens announced that they want to become certified to dispense this drug. So why are they now being boycotted by the governor of California and getting all this backlash? Well, after Walgreens announced they would pursue certification, a group of red state AGs wrote a letter to Walgreens warning the pharmacy not to dispense in their states, citing various state laws. 
This ultimately led to Walgreens saying they would not be dispensing mifepristone in those 20 states, most of which have local laws prohibiting doing so. But the list also included four states where the drug is still technically legal, but where other local laws make the situation complicated. For example, there are requirements for women to have in-person visits with the physician in order to get it prescribed. Basically, Walgreens said they would take a conservative approach here and would not dispense the drug in states where the legality is murky. Okay, so let's get to the political reaction. These same red state AGs wrote to all of the major pharmacy chains, but so far it's only been Walgreens that has responded publicly. Tell us about the reaction. Yeah, exactly. Pro-life groups seem to take Walgreens' latest announcement as a win for unborn babies and women and evidence of the movement's strength. They've said medical abortions over the last 20 years or so have killed millions of unborn babies and, according to FDA data, have been linked to thousands of adverse reactions, including some deaths of mothers. Now, one of the most notable reactions from the other side of the issue was from, as you mentioned, California's Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom. He announced on March 8th, which is International Women's Day, that California is pulling back its renewal of a multi-million dollar contract with Walgreens and will examine other contracts with the company. Now, I assume these same laws apply to other pharmacy chains like CVS, Rite Aid. Why is Walgreens' position so controversial here? Yeah, that's correct. The only difference is that Walgreens made a public announcement. For now, CVS and Rite Aid and other pharmacies are staying quiet about the matter, probably because they know they would face the same reputational risk from the left as Walgreens. And I'll add that pro-lifers are not done with this fight. There's currently a lawsuit, Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine versus the FDA, that seeks to take mifepristone off the market nationally, arguing that the FDA ignored its own rules on safety when they fast-tracked the drug to the U.S. market. Hmm. Well, certainly a case to watch. Amanda, thanks for reporting. Anytime. That was Daily Wire reporter Amanda Prestigiacomo. While most of America has moved on from COVID vaccine mandates, One set of institutions is stubbornly clinging to them, college campuses, some even requiring visiting parents to get the jab. Now a group of students, parents, and doctors have teamed up to fight back against what they say are needless vaccine and booster mandates at colleges such as Georgetown, Columbia, and Harvard. Here to discuss is columnist David Marcus. So Dave, what is it that this group, No College Mandates, is asking for? Morning. I mean, it is what it sounds like. They want to get rid of vaccine mandates and even mask mandates, which apparently still exist at some colleges such as SUNY Purchase. This comes at a time when state and federal governments and much of the private sector are somewhat sheepishly moving away from such mandates. It's a little like Homer Simpson backing into the bush. (laughs) You know, like we did this, it was a mistake, and now we're fixing it. But colleges do seem to be the last bulwark here. and, And it's not clear if this is driven by science or supposed virtue. Now, just last week, the Merchant Marine Academy finally lifted its vaccine mandate after a scathing letter from Republican Congressman Jim Banks. He claimed the mandate violated the school officials' oath to uphold the Constitution. What was Banks' argument there? It's a strange situation because in January, the military academies, that's, you know, West Point, Annapolis, et cetera, they did away with the vax mandates uh, under the direction of the Department of Defense. But the Merchant Marine Academy is run by the Department of Transportation. Hello again, Pete Buttigieg. Mm. Uh, Banks basically told them to get on board with the change and the academy relented. So uh, now it's in line with the rest of the service academies. What's the rationale for colleges that maintain these mandates? I mean, it's entirely unclear. By the summer of 2021, so that's almost two years ago now, 
Even the Biden administration was admitting that vaccines don't stop people from contracting and spreading COVID. Uh, They do, according to current science, dampen the potential severe effects of COVID. But even there, for college-aged individuals, COVID really tends to be a mild disease. And we now know, in fact, we probably always knew that natural immunity comes from infection and is just as strong as the vaccines and boosters. Right. It really does seem like college administrators won't take the win here, uh, much to the chagrin of these students and parents. All this comes at a time when there are growing concerns about wokeness in college campuses and a fear that our institutions of higher education are, are failing. We saw the incident at Stanford Law School in which a federal judge was heckled not just by students, but actually by a DEI administrator. Is this all connected with that? Arguably, it is. Uh, you know, Stanford apologized to Judge Duncan not just for the student's behavior, but for that of the administrator who lectured him about allegedly causing harm to students by, you know, giving a speech. Mm. And and yes, there is a sense that universities have gone off the deep end and vaccine mandates further that contention. And And it does come at a time when people are worried about the standards of education writ large. Recently, a Harvard English professor stated that her students struggle to read and comprehend Nathaniel Hawthorne's novel, The Scarlet Letter. Mm. I mean, those of us who are old, we read that in ninth grade. Right. But at least they're vaccinated. (laughs) Yes, right. With colleges sounding the alarm over enrollment, I think they'd have more of a sense of urgency here. Dave, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. That was Daily Wire contributor David Marcus. Another story we're tracking this week, President Biden signed an executive order on Tuesday that the White House says will keep guns out of the wrong hands and hold the gun industry accountable. The president announced his new action from Monterey Park, California, where a gunman killed 11 people in January. Here with more is Daily Wire reporter Tim Pierce. The order itself doesn't make any changes to the laws that are currently on the books. Instead, this order tries to make changes on the margins through tougher enforcement of current laws and better awareness of gun laws. For example, part of the order directs the president's cabinet to improve public awareness of red flag laws, which can temporarily restrict someone's gun rights if they are deemed high risk. Biden's order also directs his transportation secretary, Pete Buttigieg, to cut down on the number of guns stolen from the mail. According to the White House, more than 6,100 guns were stolen during shipping in 2022. Here's President Biden speaking from Monterey Park, California on Wednesday. I'm here with you today to act. Last year, after the mass shooting in Buffalo, New York and Uvalde, Texas, I signed in the law after being both places, a bipartisan Safer Communities Act. Today, I'm announcing another executive order that will accelerate and intensify this work to save more lives more quickly. That's all the time we've got this morning. Thanks for waking up with us. We'll be back this afternoon with more of the news you need to know.